0: You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit Stonegate-Church.com. So, I have to get right to it this morning, amen? amen. I have to get uh, right to it this morning. And so, I was having a, uh, it was about 10 years ago, I was having this, this conversation with, my, with, with a minister and pastor of a church at his dining room table, and uh, at his table we were we were talking about the Holy Spirit, and, and I recall him saying that the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost is something different; uh, that the Holy Spirit is this uh, uh, that, that, that that he's a person, but the Holy Ghost is is a force of God that God uses within the world to advance his agenda. He's he's a force of God and not really a person of God. this guy was, as you can tell, he was very confused, uh, trying to say that the Holy Ghost was simply the King James Version Bible use. I mean, it doesn't always use Holy Spirit, man, but I, I was trying to convey to him that Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, they're the same. They're not different. And he's not a force. And so it, this guy went back and forth with me. I mean, I mean constantly. I mean, listen mean, to me. Let's go to the Bible. So I man, I I got from that point the man that for everyone does not understand the Holy Spirit. Even now, just, just coming up in the church, I thought at one time he was an it. And not a person, but there's a guy, or there's a research firm called Lifeway that they did this research about this about this particular about this particular issue that we have today in the church. Look what they say. Look what they have to say about this idea of the Holy Spirit. It says it should be on the uh, screen. of Americans believe in the Trinity. The concept that God exists as three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 64% of them think the Holy Spirit is a force. 64% of people think that the Holy Spirit is a force. Among those identified are evangelicals, people who believe that the Bible is the final authority, people who believe that the way to salvation is through Christ, people who believe that in order to accomplish any missionary work or any social reform, that the only means to that is the gospel, people who believe that the only means of redemption uh, 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 in the Bible is through the sole person of Jesus Christ. Those people who believe these distinctives also, 64% of them believe the Holy Spirit is a force. 59% of them say the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, okay, uh, uh, so. So 64 of them think that the Holy Spirit is a force among those identified or evangelicals. 59% of them say the Holy Spirit, again, is a force. Uh, 31% say the Holy Spirit is a person, and 10% can care less. Men don't care. They haven't put much thought into it, okay? He's a person, he's a, he's a force. Okay, cool. They just don't care. In preparing this sermon, I was like, man, am I... After reading this, well, prior to do, uh, uh, seeing this quote, I thought that I would be wasting my time. Because we all know he's, he's not an it or a force. He's a person. But 70% of the people don't think that. They actually believe and it's 65% that he's actually a force. And not a person. So today, I want to communicate two things. I want to show us biblically who the person of the Holy Spirit is, and then what is his purpose in the life of believers. Those are my two main points today. Who is he, and then what is his purpose? In John 14, 14, chapters 14 through 17, you see what they have called this farewell discourse. It is Christ, in his last week of his life, having this, this, this last supper with his boys. And he's about to talk about some things with them He's going to, he's trying to prepare them before he leaves. They've been struggling, saying, man, you cannot go, but Christ has, now. he said, hey, the time has come in one week, I will die on the cross. And so in this farewell discourse, he's, he's, trying, to hammer, he's trying to hammer on or, or hammer a certain point or points before he leaves them. Uh, read with me, uh, uh, John 14, uh, verses 15 and 17. Let me just read that for you. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Then even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you in will be with you. Listen, we see clearly that he is a person. And verses uh, 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you this helper, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You this I so so Christ is using this this pronoun of he in this farewell discourse in John chapter 16 verses 7 and 8. He, he says this nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. When he Comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Amen. Verses 12 of chapter 16. I still have many things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them now. However, when that... Hello? Uh, 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 okay. I'm sorry. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take his mind, what is mine, and declare it to you. Isn't it obvious that he's a he? It's just obvious. He's a he. Just read your Bible, and you'll see that. But then there are there's this particular set of people who will come in your door and find a raid. They will knock at your door to ask you, "Can I come in?" They'll slide you a booklet, said, "Can you please read this with me?" Their Bible is deemed as the world's translation version. Not on the screen, but reading John chapter 14 and 16, listen to what their version says. If you love me, you will observe my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, which the world cannot receive because it neither sees it nor knows it. You know it because it remains with you. Is an in you. They they call it it, a force. Now, I'm not going to call them out, but y'all know who I'm talking about. The Bible calls him an it. But if you take the very same Bible and turn with him, the very same Bible they use, and turn with him to John 16, the, the Bible, it says this. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. When the spirit of truth come, he be consistent. I mean, there's like five times in this discourse where they call him, uh, here it is, uh, 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 the spirit of truth. He will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak of his own initiative, but what he hears, and, uh, and he will declare. So even in the, in the Bible, in John 16, it says something different than in John 14. So if you show them that, they're lost, dumbfounded. Is your Bible consistent or not? You can can take their Bible and show them that your Bible is inconsistent. So he is a he. He's a a person. And John goes out of his way to prove it. But not only is he a person, the Bible makes it clear he has a personality. Ephesians chapter 4, he has feelings. He's able to be grieved. In Romans chapter 8, verse 27, he has a mind that searches all things. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and verse 27a, he even prays for us. Amen. He is a personality, y'all. In and, and 1 Corinthians, man, he has intellect. And, 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 and Mark chapter 13, 11, when Christ is trying to prepare them for his departure, they're going to go before kings and people of high authority. He's telling them, don't you worry about what you will say. The Holy Spirit, he will speak for you. in Acts chapter 13 and 2, when, when, when Paul, when Saul and Barnabas has been set apart for the ministry, the Bible says, and the Spirit of God speaks or says. A force and an it can't think, can't pray. It has no mind. If, if that's really true, this, this cannot be true. But also, he has a will. Now, I know there are many any of you in here who are saying that I'm gifted because my daddy and my mom were gifted. Or my granddaddy and my grandmother was was talented. So now I've I've carried on, I, I have the genes and that's why I am gifted and I'm very talented. But when it comes to the kingdom of God and your gifts being used for the common good of God's people, for their edification, you don't have a choice in what gift you have. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 11, it says this. All these, that is these gifts, are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. He has feelings. has a mind. He prays. He speaks. He has a will. He has a personality. Not only is he a person, not only does he have a person or have a a personality, he is God. It's a person that has a personality, but also he's God. Go back to John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Highlight, underline, do something with the word another. Because this simply means another of the same kind. What Christ is really saying, I'm your paraclete, I'm your helper now. But when I go, that's why in John 16, verse 7, he it says, it's, it's, it's to your advantage that I go. Because when I go, I'm going to send you another Paraclete, another helper. Hey, I know for three and a half years, when y'all have gotten in trouble, I was there. I've, I have been there the whole entire time, but I've been with you and yet not in you. But I'm sending you another helper a, a, another counselor and encourager one who will come alongside you and be with you in times of suffering and times of rejoicing yeah. I, I'm sending you someone that when the, that, that, that when you're going through the, the going through he will be in you and not just with you it's to your ag- advantage that he goes I go but he must come and help you in times of I'm sending you another helper. But if, you, that, that, if there was a spiritual fingerprint, and if you took the print of the Spirit and of Christ, they both would say, God. Amen. I'm not sending you someone lesser. He's just like me. He is God. Just serving in a different capacity. I'm sending you another comforter, helper, advocate, mediator. What I was to you, he will be with you. But not only do we see that, we also see the Spirit of God involved in creation we see it in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, Job 26:13, Job 34, I mean, 33, verse 4 and Psalm 104 verse 30 that he's involved in creation and the creation of the world and of man. He is involved in creation. Not just God, the Father and God the Son, God the Spirit is and was involved in creation. I've given you proof text just so you can check me out. But now I have to move on, y'all. I have to go fast. <laughs> so he was identified as a helper of the same kind. You see that he was, in, that he was involved in creation, but also the Bible in the Bible, he is referred to as God. Y'all yeah, know the story of Ananias and his wife, his lovely wife, in Acts chapter 5. They go out and they sell all, their, all of their belongings. They bring them now to, to Peter and the boys. And Peter and them, so, so. but then the Bible says they held back some stuff. Now, now they had a choice, man, you sold it, it's your stuff. Why are you trying to keep back some of it? Look what Peter says to them in verses uh, chapter 5, verse 3. But Peter said to Ananias, and, uh, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Peter. So first of all, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And if you if you forgot, he's also God. He's referred to in the Bible as God. So we see him identified as a helper. We see him involved in creation. He's also referred to in the Bible as God. Lastly, to prove his deity, he is distinct within the Godhead. We have some Bible scholars in the house, and this this I know. And since we have those Bible scholars in the house, if you look at your Bible, that pre-Christ, that pre-Christ from Genesis to Matthew Prominence belonged to God the Father. What you saw in the Old Testament at times was, at times, the pre incarnate Christ would come down, reveal himself, and leave. You also saw at times that the Holy Spirit would, would, would come down and equip certain men and women to do certain things, and he would leave. Because they were not called then to dwell. In the Old Testament, the prominence belonged to God the Father. God the Father, Jehovah, was the man. You see in Matthew chapter 4, the father now proclaiming blessings over his son when the dove come down and land on on Christ who's now ordained for ministry. He's now the Messiah. So for three and a half years, God the father, he is no longer prominent, but now the son is. He's dwelling among people now. So before he came down, left. Came down. But now, for three and a half years, he's dwelling among people. Amen. And you see, the Spirit of God every once in a while doing this thing. Now, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, there, there's this outpouring of the Holy Spirit after the, the, the ascension of Christ. So, the Father had promised in the Old Testament three and a half years, the Son had it going on. But from Acts until today, guess who is doing his thing now? It's the Holy Spirit. Christ is not on earth. Ask Stephen. When Stephen was being stoned, he said, he looked up and he saw the Son. Sitting at the right hand of the Father. He did not come down again. He's not coming down until he returns for his bride. Right now, the person who is prominent, the one who is is applying the work of salvation to your heart and others is the Spirit of God with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is the one now that we are to long for. now, no, 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 no. I know you're saying, that sounds crazy. I promise you I'm going to make sense of it in a minute. R.C. Sproul, in his book, had this to say about this, this, what I'm trying to explain. He says, the Father is unbegotten. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, not made. And the Spirit eternally proceeds from the Father and the Son. We do not totally understand what it means for the Father to be begotten, the Son are uh, unbegotten, the Son to be begotten, and the Spirit to proceed. As Augustine once said, we use these terms not because we can define them fully, but in order that we might not remain, have to remain silent about the personal distinctions within the Godhead. Our theological statements convey real truth, but they do not exhaust the totality of who God is. God the Father had this thing in the Old Testament. He was the man. Christ came down for three and a half years as the Messiah. He was the man. And now, because due to his ascension and him sending down the God the Father and God the Son, sending down the Spirit of God to apply the work that Christ accomplished, that the Father planned, It's now on him. John Owen has this to say because, as a dear friend of mine said, that man the church today has focused on the dynamic duo and not the terrific trio. We've made much of God the Father and God the Son, but we hear little, hear little of God the Holy Spirit. John Owen has this to say about that. The sin of despising his person and rejecting his work now is of the same nature with idolatry of old and with Jews' rejection of the person of the son. He says to neglect and reject the work and person of the spirit. And now, it's, it's like the sin of idolatry which the Jews committed back in the days. He's a person. He has a personality. He is God and yet he is distinct. Not due to inferiority, but procession. God the Father first, God the Son now, and now, then and now, God the Spirit. That's the purpose, as much as as I can say, about Him in 25 minutes. (laughs) We call that pneumatology, the study of the Holy Spirit. As much as I can do within 25 minutes, I will leave you some resources At the end, for for you to do more study on this. Now, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? I'm I'm so glad you asked that question. Good question, by the way. We've we've heard him who is who he is as a person. Now, what's his purpose? John 15, 26. And then I'll be reading for you John 16, 13 and 14. But when the Helper comes, whom I, Christ, will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Verse 16, uh, chapter 16, 13 and 14. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Verse 14. He will glorify me. The bid of the son was to make much of the Father. Now the bidding of the Spirit is to make much of Jesus. My friend, J. I. Packer has this to say, the Spirit's message to us is never look at me, listen to me, come to me, get to know me, but always look at Him and see His glory, listen to Him and hear His words. Go to him and have, and have life. Get to know him, the taste and taste his gift of joy and peace. The role of the Spirit now is not your flesh. That's not you. The one who's in your life making much of Christ is the Spirit himself. That's his role now to make much of the Son. That's, 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 that's his role. And maybe you're asking, well, how? How does he? Can you give me some ways that, he, that, that that is accomplished? First of all, he convicts you of sin. He is the convictor of sin. You cannot convict. Now listen, you are unable to convict yourself to repent, to turn to God through Christ. That's not your doing. The one that's causing, the one who is convicting you of sin, of going against the law and person of God, the laws and the person of God is the Holy Spirit. He's convicting you of sin. It says that in John 16, 8, 9 9 through 11, he is convicting the world of sin, judgment, and righteousness. He's convicting. He's the one that's granting repentance, not you. You cannot muster up that. What you can do, what we can do, is have shame and guilt. things of the flesh. But the only one who can convince you that what you're doing is wrong, not as as a saint, but your deep need of a savior when you're not saved, is the Holy Spirit. John Owen, the spirit that is at work takes off persons, take off persons mind from vanities of the world. It engages them in a deep concern about eternal happiness and puts them upon earnestly seeking their salvation and convinces them of the dreadfulness of sin and of their own guilty and miserable state as they are by nature. It awakens men's, it, it awakens the, men, uh, the conscience of men and makes them sensible of the dreadfulness of God's anger and causes in them a great desire and earnest care to endeavor to obtain favor from God. That's not you. That's the work of the Spirit. To convict you of sin, but also to cause to cause conversions or to convert. Jesus makes this clear in his in his in his convo or, or in his conversation with John the Baptist. John the Baptist, let me cut through what you're trying to ask me. Nobody can enter into the kingdom of God unless he be born again, and that born again is this: born of the Spirit and of the water. That the one who regenerates, who causes one to be born again, born from above, is the Holy Spirit himself. He convicts you of sin, but he also converts you as a Christian. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So when you are witnessing, or when you are discipling, or when you are meeting with an unbeliever, you can rest assured that this person coming to know Christ is not on you. It's on him. He converts. But he also, stop trying to convince folks they sinners. Not your job. Not your job. It ain't, it ain't your job. It's not for you to go sin hunting. It's for you to pray that God please reveal to them how bad, how much they need you. Please make them aware of God, they are sinner, wretched, going to hell without the need of a savior. Will you please convict them and then God then convert them for your glory? He convicts, he converts, he also sanctifies. Now, I gotta be rushed, guys. Twofold, when it comes to your sanctification, it's called positional and progressive. Here it is. At the moment of salvation, when you are saved, when the Spirit of God convicts you, converts you, and then he, he, he saves you, or, or he now actually sanctifies you, it's twofold. The moment you are justified, made right with God, at the same time, you are fully sanctified in Christ. That when God looks down on you because of Christ, you are are holy, fully mature, and in Christ you are perfect. That's called positional sanctification. But then there is this progressive means Philippians 4, we are to work out our our salvation with fear and trouble, not only in what? In Paul's absence, but also in his presence. He says, For it is he who wills to work his good pleasure in you. This idea of now you becoming like Christ, you being sanctified, after being being sanctified, is a work of the Spirit. So he's sanctified you to sanctify you. Positionally, you're full holy. You're a saint, even though at times you act like ants. <laughs> you're saints, positionally, being transformed into the image of His Son. So, so, so we have that. We have that. Now, now, all of this happens because He dwells in you. Go back to John, 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 uh, fourteen. Verse 17, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Listen to me, saints. God, the Spirit, dwells in you. Let's, let's get this I, 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 the God who, who, who created all things, who, who was involved in creation, who made you, who knows you, who convicted you, who saved you, who caused you to be born again, who is now sanctifying you. This God dwells inside of you. When was the last time you thought, man, my life should be different because God dwells inside of me? Listen to me, listen, listen. I promise you this. If if there was was five billion dollars deposited into my account, I would change. (laughs) What I drive, what I wear, where I live, remember how I talk. I might just change. Five billion dollars can do a lot. I would change. Five Billion in my account would change me The God of the universe lives inside of you Shouldn't he change you? The one who called something out of nothing The one who parted the Red Sea The one who lifted up the Jordan the one who calls the dead to life, shouldn't that change you? You should be different. The way you talk, walk, and live. Your marriage, your, whatever season you're in, you, you're in, because the Spirit of God lives inside of you, you should be different than those who do not know God. Different. He lives inside of you. And sometimes the world can even tell. We will act and respond just as those who do not possess the Holy Spirit. My friend, I'm done. My friend Francis Chan in his book, Forgotten God, talks about the idea of a caterpillar been stuck to the ground all his life, on the ground, walking in the mess. Just stuck, you know, he, he just stuck. He, 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 he just stuck. And he's stuck to the life. He, can't, he can do nothing else but walk on everything his little feet tread on. But one day he decides to take a nap. A long nap. He's in his cocoon and he, he's taking his nap. And all of a sudden one day he gets up. and realizes, hold up, hold up. I can fly now. And it'd be weird seeing a butterfly try to crawl on the ground like a, like a caterpillar. It would be odd, to say the least, of a butterfly trying to act like something he's been transformed out of. To that point, he says this. as believers, we ought to experience the same kind of astonishment when the Holy Spirit enters our bodies. We should be stunned and disbelief over becoming a new creation with the Spirit living in us. As the caterpillar finds his, its new ability to fly, we should be thrilled over our Spirit empowered ability to live differently and faithfully. Isn't this what the Scriptures speak of? Isn't this what we've all been longing for? It really is an astounding truth that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. He lives in me. I don't know what the spirit will, be, uh, will do or where he'll lead me each time I invite him to guide me. But I am tired of living in a way that looks exactly like people who do not have the Holy Spirit of God living in them. I want to consistently live with the awareness of his strength. I want to be different today than I was yesterday as as the fruit of the Spirit becomes more manifest in me. I want to live so that I am truly submitted to the Spirit's leading on a daily basis. I don't want to keep crawling when I have the ability to fly. R. Kelly sung a song back in the days, I Believe I Can Fly. I don't think R. Kelly knew what he was saying then, but there is some truth to that as a Christian. Because of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you don't have to live stuck to the mess of the ground. He's giving you the ability to fly because of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. We can be different. Our yeah. marriage should be different. The way I respond to my parents, it should be different. The way I treat my boss or my co-organization, it should be different the way I respond to my peers at school. It should be different the way I respond to whatever season of life I'm in. It should be different because the Spirit of God, He lives, He dwells inside of me. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly above all we can think or ask to the power of God that works inside of us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations for now and forever. Now unto him who is able to do for abundantly above all we can think Or ask according to the power that lives inside of us. To him the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Now and forever. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly about what you can think or ask. According to the power that works inside of you. To him be the glory, and the church, and in Christ Jesus, both now and forever. Church, because of the Spirit's work in us, we can be different. We don't have to settle. In a spiritual sense, you can fly. You can touch the sky. In a sense, he's giving you the ability to imitate Jesus Christ. You can forgive like he forgave. Love like he loved. Serve like he served. Witness like he witnessed. You have the ability to imitate God. Now, unto him who was able to do far abundantly above all you can think or even ask, according to the power that is at work in you, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, now and forever. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love, and for your gentle reminder, that we have God, the Spirit, living in all of us. And from that, we understand fully that we can be different. Not because of something that we have or what we make. It's because of your presence inside of us. Help us to believe. Help us to believe. That we don't have to settle for normality. We don't have to settle just for the norm, but you are willing to do supernatural things. Loving our enemies, forgiving those who harm us. Supernatural things we can do because you live and you are at work in us. Father, we thank you for this. But Father, I ask also that you would convict that maybe there is someone in here, God, who that who, are you, who you are prompting to come to know you, Father, through the Son, and the Spirit is working right now. Father, if that person is here, if that's you, will you please fill out that card that is under your seat that you desire to have a relationship with, with Jesus? Amen. We will, be, we will contact you this week. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We need you. Will you please make much of Jesus through us? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.